This is just my new Letterman thing. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's my new thing. You, you did it like two or three times. Yeah, that's my new thing. Like when it, when Dave throws the cards, you know. I like it. I, I like it. Anyway, all right, everybody. I noticed you. I, I'm you not, did it every we're, time we're tonight when I was talking. So. Well, Kevin. We always have an intro, but like tonight, I'm just like. Uh, yeah, well, you'll listen back later and you'll find some stuff. Oh, there's 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 stuff there. very important that I want to I want to come on and I'm not I'm not scared of the pushback backlash canceling I say no coronavirus yeah, my stand I'm thank against you. it thank you Trey. and you know it's just a way to sort of exercise our, our societal anxiety so it makes a lot of sense so it's kind of like a misery loves company situation where like you're upset at what's happening with government or with the economy or with war and instead of like watching happy things to get away and kind of set your mind apart from all the negative stuff you watch like the depressing stuff where well, zombies are know, killing when people. When you look at these particular stories, these are people generally in these movies uh, who are taking control of a really bad situation and are making the best of this really bad situation. So it's right. like a way of finding control, sort of a, a psychological, cultural control that they lack in real life. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. We are back in the Dungeon of Doom. This week, Zombie Mania. Kevin, you're already making motions to other members of the program about me. Kat's here. Dave is here. We watched a bunch of zombie movies for this, and I think that there's a lot going on in a lot of them. We started with Dawn of the Dead, which, 1978, George Romero, not available on any streaming platform other than free on YouTube. You can't even rent it on YouTube. You can only watch a free extended cut it's two and a half hours. It's every scene that they shot. Uh, this one is a little heat, I think, among the, all of us. I love Dawn of the Dead. I think it's possibly the greatest horror movie of all time. I know I said wow. greatest before. I might back I off a little bit. I think you say that every episode. I do. I think <laughs> you say greatest horror movie of all time about one movie I think it every is. episode. And, and I grant that, for me, it was very personal, like... Uh, to me, at the time that I saw it, which I was pretty young, and it was um, very mysterious, um, Day of the Dead, which is the sequel, it's the third of the Romero trilogy, or the original trilogy, obviously, but um, it was very mysterious to me that you didn't see like trailers on television about Dawn of the Dead. You just saw it at video stores, and and you saw things about it, and it was about eating people and stuff, and it seemed to me like it would be like really transgressive and really weird. And so when I finally saw it, it starts, the movie itself starts like right away with the most, um, Tom Savini, the special effects artist, it's his first movie. So it starts out right away with like the most brutal stuff of people like biting each other's necks off and Heads exploding. I'd like to talk about that at some point. So I, I was like, wow, I can't believe something so crazy. I've never seen so much blood and guts and, and eating flesh in the first, you know, 20 minutes of a movie. Um, but Tom Savini is a master of exploding heads, for sure. The exploding head that happens in the beginning when the police raid the apartment and the black dude's head <laughs> just explodes. And uh, Kevin, not to steal your thunder. <laughs> but that first exploding head in Dawn of the Dead, Dawn of the Head, is <laughs> pretty big. And, and what they did was they, they filled this fake head with uh, food scraps. And they actually shot it with a shotgun. 
to get the authentic mm. look of a head being shot. Did you watch this, cat? Yeah. You did? I did. I had never seen it before. This is my first watch. I'd seen the remake. I thought it was good. I thought it was very... It seemed like when it came out, like it makes sense for the kind of movie it was. It came out in 1978, so that makes sense. The remake, I always thought was super terrifying, and so I was excited to watch the the beginning one. And I thought, you know, I think it holds up, personally, well, being like the original, the OG. The production is like really low quality. Besides for the special effects, like the makeup is not great. They're it's all just blue. blue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the special effects are great because it's Tom Savini. I love him forever. He went on to do much better things. But it looked like a Starsky and Hutch, like <laughs> 1970s, like detective episode. Like it was such low quality. And then it just had zombies added to that. Look, we, we talked about um, the, in, in, in the uh, episode with the Invisible Man, we talked about you, Dave, specifically talked about the old timey acting. And yeah. one thing I noticed about this movie is there's some total like, oh, well, we'll go get them. Like there's <laughs> some of that acting that like you were making fun of. So I, I went back because Trent and Dave were fighting all this week about Dawn of the Dead. And it is an incredibly long version that we watched. It's two hours yes. and 34 minutes. It's a slow zombie movie. So making a, a movie two hours and 34 minutes about really slow zombies is painful. Um, so I went back and I watched a bunch of uh, extra credit movies from the same time. So I watched like Fulci's Zombie. Who's um, who is Fulci? Lucio Fulci, Italian director. No, I, I know that, but I'm just I'm asking so that. So the, the I, I went back know. and watched Lucio Fulci's uh, Zombie, which I didn't know at the time was actually released in Italy uh, a few years after. Uh, Dawn of the Dead as Zombie 2 because Zombie was released in Italy as Zombie. Or I'm sorry, Dawn of the Dead was released <laughs> in Italy as Zombie. And so Fulci made this sequel, he thought, uh, to the to Romero's Dawn of the Dead. And then I watched uh, you know, a movie, The Tomb of the Blind Zombies. Um, I, I went back and watched some old ones. And I think one of the reasons Dawn of the Dead holds up is because it is far superior to these other films that came out after Night of the Living Dead caused the zombie craze, you know, a, an explosion of movies. Um, but but it's it still didn't hold me uh, like I remembered it. I, I, I think I, in my memory, I hold it in higher regard uh, than it actually does come out. But I will say, watching some of these other movies that came out at the same time, it, it, it is a far superior movie. Um, and I will say... Uh, one thing about Dawn, the score is unbelievable, and I had no idea that you know Dario Argento was a script consultant as well as pulled in Goblin, which is the legendary horror Demons. movie score. Yes, um, and pulled them in to do the score of this movie. They did a ton uh, of your favorite uh, horror movie scores. Dario Argento, who's an Italian horror filmmaker, he came on board to. Uh, get them some seed money, get them some production money so that they could make the movie. And then he brought in Goblin, as you say, uh, and did some uh, screenwriting consulting with George Romero, RIP. You guys get a little disrespectful, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, I feel like what a lot of people don't, are, don't get about the movie is all of this stuff, you know, the breakdown of all human order, right? The news, one of the first things that happens is that the news breaks down. You see newscasts where it's going chaotic and people are dying and then the channels go out. Uh, peacekeeping breaks down. The, the law enforcement is giving up. One, one of the first things that happens is you see the SWAT team and the, and the cops and the local cops. They start saying, this is not you know, for us. And one of the, one of the early questions in the movie among the uh, law enforcement officers is, is it wrong to run? Mm -hmm. Do we have, like, what is our obligation to try to keep, you know, peace and order here? And what is our obligation to save ourselves? And that runs through every zombie movie since. And I loved that when, when uh, it's asked, is it wrong to run, a priest walks in. Well, I think it's funny you mentioned the, the news breaking down because I thought one of the good, like, societal things that it pointed out is – there are people in that newsroom that are clinging so hard to their jobs 
as the entire world is breaking down. And they're looking at all of their people and hollering at their employees. You get behind that camera. Mm-hmm. You tell this story. You do this. And it's like, dude, go home and hug your wife mm-hmm. because she's probably going to be eating you later. Mm. That is so good. And I'm hungry too. Nice. Well, the thing that I do, like you were saying, this like disrespect. You know, like I, I like the movie. Um, I don't think it held up over time. Like a lot of movies don't. A lot of the classics, for me, they just don't hold up over time. But Dawn of the Dead, in the way that like Bram Stoker d- defined vampire tropes, he invented the zombie. You know, so uh, in a lot of ways, they're like it, it was just an action movie. Yeah, you brought that up. A very slow action movie. Yeah, it was an action movie. It reminded me of like you know, not not like Starsky and Hutch, but like Death Wish or something like those early like like seventies eighties cop movies. You know, inner city grimy. It reminded me of that a little bit, but um, it did it did define what we know now as zombies. And I like that the genre in general has kept up to that. Like, people have been like, all right, George Romero invented this shit. We're going to stay true to what he said, and we're going to make the zombies, you know, for the most part, you got to cut off the head, you got to sever the, you know, the brain stem or whatever, and that's how you kill them. And this is what they want. And I also liked in Dawn of the Dead that they were like, they were into things that they were into in real life. Right. They're, they still, why do they, why are they doing, they're like going the to the diner the coffee getting, shop, and yes. they're like, you know. Yeah, why why are they coming to the mall? Right. Like I, I, I one of my notes was like the mall is like the new iPhone. So if the if, if the zombie apocalypse broke out today, if there was no one to eat around, everyone would probably pull still pull their phone out of their pocket and just be looking at it. <laughs> the zombies would be, be on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> eat po- Facebook. Posting hungry. <laughs> yeah, one thing that I think was um, a theme throughout all, all the movies that we watched is that once you figure out zombies, like once you've got that in your bag and you know how to keep them out, then you have to worry about humans, like the other humans coming in. And that's the scary part, personally, I think. Yeah, that is another thing that is different about this that kind of mutated after this movie. In Dawn of the Dead, the original, the group, the in-group stays very cohesive. There mm-hmm. isn't really any of the most zombie movies after this one of the major things is the fighting within the in-group and the paranoia mm-hmm. and the um, the pissing matches and stuff like that. And what are we going to do? And uh, in Dawn of the Dead, it stays like it's like the most they're all so close and, yeah. and there's none of that. They all get bored with each other. I appreciate that the camaraderie among this band of survivors, the, com- the camaraderie stayed through the whole movie. And it, it's camaraderie. But I guess... As we talk about this, I'm appreciating like Romero's portrayal here more. Yeah, there's camaraderie, but he still paints a very distinctive picture of characters you like and you dislike. Because does anyone like Flyboy in this movie? I loved Flyboy. Really? Of course you would. Of course you would. Uh, He's still uh, that aside. Let's let's. It's too early. Let's. I never like the wild card. The one that's going to get everyone in trouble. I never like that. But he's still painting a good picture of everybody's role in. In this, yes, they are saying cohesive. That's a fantastic point. Like they, they really, they really do. But he's still kind of lining these people up on a chessboard. Like who's going to fall over first? I was really. I thought one of the most depressing parts of the movie was when Flyboy meets his end in the elevator to the zombies. He has been a solid member of this mm-hmm. team. Flyboy, Flyboy got them there. First of all, yeah, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> His okay. character development was great, I will say. From the beginning to the end, I thought he had a good character arc. And also, his name was way ahead of its time. It sounds like a, a Gen Z rapper, like an auto-tune rapper. <laughs> his he name kills himself on Xanax. Or like, he was on oh, Living Color. Flyboy is dope. His name is Steven. Say it. Steven. One of the other. <laughs> One of the other characters started calling him Flyboy as a nickname, as a... Like, like one of us might start calling yeah, one whatever. of the other. Yeah, machismo, Top Gun shit, whatever, I get it. I didn't think it was machismo. I thought that it was like like 
we might have nicknames like we do for each other. That I thought it, that it was like sort of a, a form of endearment. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man so there was a remake of this movie in 2004, yes. uh, directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, I love the remake. Um, I, I, I think it's great. I also, watching these movies and realizing that 28 Days Later came out a year before the remake, I was like, oh, shit. Zack Snyder must have been like, let's make them fast zombies. Mm-hmm. So I do still love it, and I watched it. Um, but it's almost like 28 days later, the original Dawn of the Dead had sex and made a baby with like an MTV music video. <laughs> That's like sort of the vibe I get from the yeah. remake. I thought yeah. it was super um, scary. I thought it was much scary. The remake was much scarier than the first one. I love the remake and it is much scarier. It's it's hard. It's hard to be scared by a 30, 40, 50 year old movie. And we run into that a lot as mm-hmm. as horror fans. We've talked about Suspiria and... Rosemary's Baby and a lot of these old movies aren't really it's like hard to be scared by something so rudimentary but I just I appreciate the the vision of, of the beginnings of like doing something that nobody had thought about doing ever like something that's so original and so creative to me and and so driven by a personal passion that it's not like Blumhouse was just like oh we'll give you however many million dollars to do a remake of this Zack Snyder um, it's a little bit more straight action movie to me. I don't think there's a lot of commentary going on. And I think that, hold on, Kevin, hold on, Kevin, hold on, Kevin. What commentary is going on seems to me a little manufactured and a little like perfunctory, like, well, we have to have, uh, some, I don't know, some social commentary, have, have a, you know, a, a pregnant lady of a, of, of a different ethnicity and we'll, we'll call that our, our social commentary. I thought that was like this one of the scarier parts, though, of like the baby like trying to push its way out of like. Can you imagine? I mean, I guess it's hard for you guys to imagine. But if I, I were imagine. to have a little baby in my tongue, trying to like push its way out, like I can't think of anything scarier than that. She was already a zombie, though, I guess at that point. But it's creepy. Little hands, you know. It's very scary and creepy. It's very MTV, and I don't I don't know what color a zombie is in real life since they don't exist. So I'm not sure I get the criticism on that part, Dave. Oh, oh. oh Dave. <laughs> I, was, I was passing the baton. I wasn't asking you to well, answer for why a zombie wait, can't be blue. Like, what color? Color? When people die, they turn blue. I mean, that's that's maybe realistic. They just look stupid. Um, <laughs> I'm just not going to say I like a movie just because it's a classic. Contrarian oh. troll. Dave Gutter. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, I, I will. I will say. I will so, say. I will say one last point about Dawn of the Dead for for a factual. One. So Ken Foray, who plays Peter in Dawn of the Dead, um, he yeah, actually. Sh- did interrupt you one time? Speaking of Peter, do you have a drink? Yeah. Yeah, I love a drink. He was. Talking some dark shit about Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> Go. Well, I just wanted to mention that Ken Foy, who plays Peter in the movie, uh, also shows up in one of Rob Zombie's movies, The Devil's Rejects, mm-hmm. as Charlie, who owns the brothel where the Firefly, Firefly family goes to find uh, some, some refuge. And then, if you notice in the remake of Dawn of the Dead, um, he shows up on the, the when they're wa- all watching the news, Ken Foray shows up and he says the uh, iconic line, um, uh, when hell is full, when there's no more room in hell. You don't even know the line. The dead will walk the earth. Go fuck yourself. If you guys, are, if anybody is interested in the, the point of the original 1978 Dawn of the Dead, it is the complacency with which people retreat from outside threat to consumerism, one of the things that happens, well, first of all, it takes place in a mall mm. for a reason. Because they're mauling people. The zombies are mauling M-A-U-L. them. Like well, this is like an M-A-L-L mall. <laughs> oh, okay. And what happens with the characters over the, the arc of the story is that they 
create a, a whole life within the mall. They have an apartment set up. They start. They got TVs in there. They're doing. There's a date where they have the fancy dinner, and one of the characters is serving uh, Peter. I think is serving uh, wine to them, acting as their their soul. Um, <laughs> And they become very ensconced, and, and they become very complacent in this. Like this is it, you know. It's just going to be the four of us living this very comfortable lifestyle. Everything they want is in the mall. They've got all the supplies they need. They've got all the food. They've got all the entertainment. Um, but what happens? And I think Francine, the character of Francine, probably best articulates it. Franny, Francine. Um, and this runs through all all the movies that we watched. This Press is lot. Hold on, Kevin. This is like one of the major themes of all the zombie movies is what is the difference between just merely existing and maybe you're comfortable, sure, and you've maybe you've got your your needs met, but are you really living? Is that living? Boring. <laughs> You can cut me out later. Let me fucking finish. I got five more fucking pages of notes on this. So let me just finish. The point so the is next that movie we're- the difference between living and existing or existing and living. Fucked on you, know what's up, bro. It's it's no, it's true. I mean, it's it's. I'll say it for the original Dawn, for the remake, for a lot of these movies um, that we're about to talk about. Um, it is. It's it's. You almost, they do a great job of lulling the viewer into being like, oh, man, you have it so good. I'm so pumped. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, they're all like, me as a viewer, I'm like, why do you want to give this up? It seems so comfortable. Yeah, whenever, like, whenever what the zombie, doing? the people that are running from the zombies, whenever they get to a supermarket, I'm just like, just stay there. You're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who yeah. wouldn't want to just shop in a closed supermarket for free? Sleepover. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with that cat? Nothing. I'm agreeing with you. So the next movie we watched, I think, in chronological order was 28 Days Later. 2002, that is uh, 22 years after Dawn of the Dead. Nice. Kat, this is a little bit more. You probably watched this when you were a fetus. Yes. Just eight eight pounds, six ounces just came (laughs) out. Um, I think this is like one of the first zombie movies that I remember like watching and being terrified of. Um, Killian Murphy, super babe, personally. That was like my childhood crush. So yeah, that I was think cool he's for me. Too, and I'm not even gay. Yeah, he's a he's a babe. Um, but yeah, I I just like the the relationships in that movie are very interesting because it's just the two. You know, it starts out there's like a guy, but they have to kill him off. You know, to show people that you know I'm gonna kill whoever I need to to keep on living. Like that badass babe. It's just you know killing people taking names um, her name is selena selena thank Say you it. oh uh yeah we got jim selena hannah and frank okay. are the characters you can use those names thank you yeah you can be like you know a little bit more sensitive to like women's names specifically instead yeah. of just saying I, I, her. I'd, I'd like to hear some once in a while you know I, I noticed that this podcast is like us actually just asking cat questions like that we want to know about women like indirectly you know like Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein broke up, mm-hmm. and then like Frankenstein like got a Tinder account, mm-hmm. and then then he like shut it off. Yeah. Would they still get back together? Yeah, probably. She has the same name as him, so she doesn't really have an identity besides being the bride of Frankenstein. So, so they kind of got Boom. they kind of got to be <laughs> together you. in that. That's, that's, these episodes are great for that. Yeah, I learned. Yeah, a lot say about women. say her name. What's her name? The bride of Frankenstein. She's that just the bride. Seem, yeah, she's not even an indi- individual person. I mean, I do have them both tattooed. The husband on my, of Mrs. Frankenstein, so. bitch. Wait, you have both 
Frankenstein yeah. and the Bride of Frankenstein yeah. tattooed on your body. Yeah, they, that was my Halloween tattoo. I treated myself to last Where year. Where are they? On my ah, legs. Take wow. pics for the gram. We can post it on the on the gram. Learn something new every episode. <laughs> That's great. Go I'm on. Trying to think how many how many horror tattoos do I have? Jaws. I have jaw. I have two Jaws tattoos. I have the Bride and Frankenstein. Wow. I think, oh, I have Medusa. Tom Waits doesn't really count. But oh my God, I have Tom Waits tattooed. This is oh Tom Waits. Oh, oh. Wow. I can't. Look at wow, him. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. Sorry, sidebar. This is very Jaws right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you got, Trent? <laughs> oh, um, sorry. I have Dave tattooed to me. Oh. Nice. When are we getting Speak All Evil tattoos? Oh, well, yeah, let's do it. I was thinking, actually, today Don't. I was thinking of getting like a pentagram or something like Cat. evil. No, I, I liked what I liked what you were you were getting at, Cat, about um, Selena is killing everyone. It's uh, again another thing that runs through these movies mm-hmm. is who who is in your in group and who is not. Yeah, the surest sign, obviously, is when they turn. As soon as someone turns, you have to dispatch them. It could be anyone. It could be your husband. And they turned very fast in 28 Days Later. It was like what they say, like 10 to 20 seconds someone turns. So that's a very, as opposed to like... Dawn of the Dead takes like an hour for a to turn. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. And just 28 Days Later, it's the first fast zombie movie. Mm -hmm. And like, fuck all these slow zombies. That shit does not stress me out. 1985, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. I like that. Were that's where the fast. Kids in the graveyard, that's where the, the fast zombies started. But this yeah. was the first one I think since then mm-hmm. to be like, hey, that by the way, that was one of my favorite zombie movies. And 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 it's I think it's funny that a year later the Dawn of the Dead remake came out, and Zack Snyder was like, hey, this twenty eight days later thing. Uh, but so this was directed by Danny Boyle, who is known for Train Spotting, mm. which is a huge departure. And I yesterday, guess, which is a huge departure. <laughs> which I guess, if you really break it down, maybe not. Um, for me personally, I remember this movie being a lot more fast-paced than it was. It's actually deceptively slow. Like, there's not a whole... There are some cool action scenes, but it's really, really slow. And, like, it relies a lot on Killian Murphy, mm-hmm. which I think is fantastic because, yeah... Total babe. Like, he's mm. a rock star. I love that guy. We should fuck him. Uh, but <laughs> but we, 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 we've talked about The Walking Dead. A lot of people noticed that when The Walking Dead came out, the opening sequence of The Walking Dead is Rick Grimes in a deserted hospital mm-hmm. waking yeah. up. And not realizing there was a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Well, in 28 days later, the opening sequence, it's Killian Murphy waking up in a hospital bed in a deserted hospital during the zombie apocalypse. So Kirkman has actually said that it was pure coincidence. Mm. He said they already had the first episode of The Walking Dead in the can. Well, it was a comic book. In production. It, yes, it's a graphic novel. Uh, and that... He panicked and went back to everybody, and they were already producing the second issue of The Walking Dead, and said, well, should we go back and and redo this? And everyone was like, no, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, no one will probably notice. (laughs) Well, everybody fucking noticed and was like, who ripped off who? Mm -hmm. This this movie has been ripped off for almost 20 years now. It's 18 years old, and I, I loved the hospital scene. Did we mention the full frontal? Yeah, right away. Right yeah. away. Yeah. Bang. I, I watched that with my daughter, forgetting about the full frontal oh. scene. <laughs> I loved that whole idea of waking up in a hospital or waking up anywhere, and you don't know what's going on, and you walk outside, and there's nobody anywhere in the world. In like, London. That's something that I dream about. I, <laughs> I want to happen. I would love to wake up in a hospital and walk outside and be like... Well, well, Everybody there people that is waiting gone. to eat you. <laughs> well, I can deal with them. I, you yeah. know, the yeah. problem I had, it was uh, two music video, like we were talking before. It was like an MTV production. It was like so grainy. You, you couldn't see stuff. Like I just wanted to see what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a little too like overproduced on that end of it. But I, I liked the movie overall. But just the look of the whole thing, just... Uh, 
was a little too processed for me. It was, I noticed that yeah. now, especially, and I, this was one that I watched a, a number of times and when it came out. And that was the biggest thing, not the biggest thing, but that was one of the things that stuck out to me was, this is so like, oh, we were in 2002. We think we're making some state-of-the-art video stuff right here. Like, look at this. Could be a video. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't necessarily age as well as it might. They actually shot a lot of those grainy scenes on, I think they're like P91 cams. Yeah, it was, like like di- it was digital, yeah. Because they could only get those sections of London shut down at certain times oh. of day. I o- wondered about obviously. that. Yeah. I, I mean, was like, that, where is everybody? We're in the middle of London. Like, where did they put everyone? It's one of the most, like, beautiful. It's beautiful to me. Like, It, it really it is. It felt yeah. like Nobody, it felt they just hopeless. The World yeah. Cup. But like you just said, Trent, I, I, I literally would honestly like and like want to know what that feels like to walk outside and be like, okay, downtown Portland, Maine is completely empty and I'm just walking out here by myself. I'd love to walk out of Maine Med and be like... So I had a problem with the ending of the movie and the military aspect they brought into it. Um, I did not enjoy this movie when they brought the military in. And there are actually alternate endings that uh, Boyle did uh, that did not test well with audiences. So in one of them, the military, well, I, I guess in both of them, the military never comes in. They get to the military blockade where in in the actual uh, film cut the military rescues them, and then it gets super weird. So weird. So weird. I, I didn't enjoy that twist. That's, like, well, that's the thing, you know, thinking about Dawn of the Dead, when, you know, they figure out the zombie problem, then you have to deal with the people. That was the most stressful part for me of 28 Days Later, because it's just a bunch of dudes that are like, all right, now we got to repopulate the earth. These women are ours now. And it's like, whoa, which buddy. To, to me seemed like a cop out. And it's like, yeah. it's a bunch of dudes that are armed mm-hmm. and already super roided up. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so in one, when they get to the military blockade, uh, Jim is hurt and he dies at the event uh, at the hospital. That they really? Um, but the one that I love, and if you have the DVD of 28 Days Later, um, they storyboarded this. They filmed the first one that I just mentioned, and test audiences hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Boyle and the producers still think that that's like the true ending. But there's another one. Um, when Frank gets infected, mm-hmm. they take him to the abandoned hospital, and he has the daughter. And so uh, Jim ends up offering to have a full blood transfusion to save Frank so that he can go on with his daughter. But and in like 10 seconds, they try to do this? So they they abandon that ending. It, uh, if you watch the DVD, the storyboard is beautiful. It's it's really emotional because Jim is just giving himself up. Like, you have yeah. a daughter. Just, I'm going to give you all of my blood. Mm-hmm. Um, but they abandon that ending because they had already established, like you, you said, mm-hmm. that it takes one drop of blood. Mm-hmm. And you're infected. And that's it. So how realistic could it have been? Because uh, unlike other movies where it's like an hour and then you turn into a zombie, in 28 Days Later, they established like a new, I think, a new zombie trope where one drop of blood and seconds later you're eating everybody. Mm-hmm. The military compound is the point of the entire movie. So what the movie is doing... I am upset. I don't. You're, you're saying that you didn't like the entire point of the movie, which is that they have been looking for this military compound the whole time to be their salvation. They've heard the broadcast on the radio. What this is about? This is 2002. So what we're dealing with now with um, the migrant crisis and uh, immigration, this started in Europe well before. Because this is about replacement fear, British replacement fear, mm-hmm. about migrants and immigrants coming in and taking over their country and replacing them, the pitfalls and the, and the folly of turning to a militarized authoritarianism to remedy that situation. Because as you see in the movie, when you turn to that kind of solution, it doesn't go anywhere good. Those guys are Nazis, the compound. Little fun fact, um, the villain's name, Major Henry West. Mm. Last name West, as in... Kanye West. No. Oh. 
as in globally the West. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's why his name is West. And okay. if you notice in the compound, there's all these statues of white Western European thinkers that a lot of these white power guys, especially in Europe, venerate and you know elevate above anyone of color or anyone that's not from Europe. So that that whole compound is a Nazi compound, and it is the result of people turning to authoritarianism, fascism, and racism. When they get there, they think they're going to be saved. They they're in, almost immediately become hostages, and what they want is to use uh, Selena and Hannah, the the young girl. They want to use them to breed. As as let me finish. They want to use them to continue their white lineage, so that they can. Uh, maintain their white culture and their Western heritage and their lineage. And it's it's like 20 years beyond a lot of uh, American horror movies. That's, to me, that was the whole point. I agree. Everything you just said is very factual. Nice job, facts guy. That's great. You're the facts guy. You're um, just being jealous right now. No, no, no. no. I'm, He's like, that's my, that's, what, what are you looking nope. shit up for? I am more saying, yes. That is where the movie went. What I am trying to say is I, I wish it hadn't gone there. I liked everything they did up until that point. I think they could have taken this movie somewhere differently and not relied on a bunch of super easy things to but display. Th- that's, what's, that's what they was happening. back on that's, this. That's no, what was no, happening. No. And, they, and they, they even went as far as to rip off Day of the Dead and have Bub chained up in the yard. I mean, that was it's, awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Sure, if you want, if you want to just have a great movie for three quarters of the way, cop out like that. Fine, I agree with everything you just said. I understand what they were getting at, the imagery, all the points they were trying to make. I just wish that this particular movie hadn't gone there. The chained up zombie was an homage to Bub. That's all I said, Dave. In less words, it was I. <laughs> the next movie we watched was Shaun of the Dead, also a British movie. And it was a horror comedy, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I Mm -hmm. love this movie so much. Really? Wait, Shaun of the Dead is one of your favorite movies of all time. Oh, I love it. I love all the, yeah, there's so many stupid dad jokes and puns, (laughs) and I love that shit. So, Shaun of the Dead is a 2004 horror movie, horror comedy movie, directed by Edgar Wright, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. It basically is a gigantic homage to all classic zombie movies um, and, in my opinion, is is the absolute epitome of horror comedy. It, it stars uh, Simon Pegg as Sean, who is basically a living zombie and going through some, some personal stuff in his life where he his girlfriend is leaving him. He lives with a deadbeat roommate who is his best friend, and all of this culminates with the zombie apocalypse happening and him him ultimately having to get his shit together. I love Shaun of the Dead. Um, it's just, just I rewatched it. I hadn't seen it in years and I just forgot how funny it was. Um, just like thinking about when they're in the garden when they first realize that there's the zombie and they have the disposable camera. <laughs> and he like winds up like, he was like taking a picture of the zombie attacking Sean because they thought it was some drunk girl in the in the lawn. They literally say, "Oh my god, she's so <laughs> wasted." Yeah. And then like they, she like comes, she gets impaled basically, and then comes back up, and they're just staring. And then he slowly like winds the camera up to take a picture. Like it's just like the little details like that that I just I, love this. Like it, I'm sure there are many fans of the American Office, but Shaun of the Dead. Is like if you've seen the British office, mm-hmm. it's like watching an American attempt at a horror comedy, <laughs> but it's done right. Oh, it's like so good. it's so it's so good. It's funny it's, you should uh, mention the British office, Kevin, because um, the way you say my name is so vindictive. Coven, <laughs> coven. I'm sorry, it's Coven. Um, it's funny you should mention the British office, Coven, because one of the uh, stars of Shaun of the Dead is. Lucy Davis, who played Dawn in the British office. Mm-hmm. I like to think of her as Dawn of the Office. Hey-oh. Oh, 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 
Good one. Good one. Wow. Really uh, gunning for my spot here, huh? Yeah, I know. You're that insecure? Yeah, so you don't know anything about the British office. inferiority complex. No, I just, I've seen the British office. I really loved it. So I recognized Dawn of the Office right away. Name is Lucy Davis. Say it. This one to me was also the most relatable, personally relatable. I really, anyone who, well, I, I mean, I can relate to personal complacency, maybe a big surprise yeah. to you guys, uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, I can really relate to, like, the the zombie in this movie is the personal complacency of just sleepwalking through your life and neglecting your relationships mm-hmm. uh, negle- and playing video games, and you don't even notice that a zombie apocalypse is happening right outside your door but you're just trying to go to the pub and like have beer and whatever and uh, you forget to make reservations and you know that like redundancy the routine that they they're stuck in they end up still staying in that same routine (laughs) when the zombies come even in the apocalypse yeah (laughs) and i love the mother so much from Shaun of the dead oh the mother i want her to be my mom like Mm -hmm. she was so well it's so the movie has so many references to classic horror movies uh, and the mother's name is barbara so Sean's mother's name is Barbara, yeah. and I loved. I I know. I'm sure I've noticed it before because I've watched this movie countless Barbara, times. Barbara Bush. No, Sean's mother's name is Barbara. Say it. Uh, when they're when they're coming up with their plan of how to to get out of their apartment, uh, Ed gets on the phone and <laughs> says, "We're coming to get you, Barbara." <gasps> Oh, I never even noticed Night of that. The Living Dead. We're coming to get you. They're coming Barbara. to get you, Barbara. Wow. wow. There's so, there's so many subtle references in this movie to that. And again, I I watch these movies now with you assholes in my head, <laughs> and I'm like, how can I outdo you? How can I out observe? Well, um, but I'm also thinking about you know I've been thinking about Night of the Living Dead because it's come up a, a ton. Um, shit, 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 shit. All right. Do you want to do that again that oh you're not screaming God. at him in the, ah! mid- in the middle no, of what no, he's saying? It's fine, it's fine. She's so drunk. <laughs> when they're in the store, that's a total tribute to Evil Dead. They're all dressed up like Ash. And then as Sean is trying to assert himself as manager, somebody's like, oh shit, Ash called out today. <gasps> and they all look like they're dressed. Like the wow. store, and wow. that, like like Edgar Wright wow. murdered. These this. are some deep cuts. No, he murdered. Very this. deep. Cuts. I was I was watching it. Look, I wow. was I, I was watching this. I ran downstairs to get my notebook. My wife looked at me and said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I needed my notebook," and she said, "I fucking hate when you have hobbies." Oh, she's so drunk. <laughs> One of the things was it played with Dave. Your problem with zombies is that they're often slow. Well, you, I like him in the comedy. You're fast. Yeah, but that, that's what's funny <laughs> yeah, about yeah, it because yeah. they, what the they do is they just weave in and out of the – they just walk around them. There's yeah. Not, yeah. They don't really – the zombies are pretty like well under control. When he takes the weed call. In the <laughs> oh, it's, my God. It's like one of the best moments. He takes a weed call from his homie like when the zombies are – Yeah, it's not a big deal. They've got I to like the slow zombies in this <laughs> The zombies are not a big problem, really. <laughs> the problem is that they are the zombies, and that's why I love the scene when they have to impersonate zombies. Mm-hmm. To get by the zombies and they just act like zombies is they are the zombies. It's a brilliant movie. I highly recommend it to anyone. Um, so George Romero loved this movie. Um, he got a private screening uh, before he passed. And he asked Simon Pegg, who is Sean in Shaun of the Dead, and Edgar Wright to have starring roles in Land of the Dead which was his fourth movie after many, many years. I think Land of the Dead was 2004, 2005. Um, And Edgar Wright and and, uh, Simon Pegg, I think, got it right. And they said, nah, you know what? That's way better off if we're just zombies in this movie. I think, Dave, you made a comment um, while we were texting this week that you hate the fact that there's just all these random extras in these zombie movies. Yeah. You know, why Why wouldn't you want to, as a massive actor, be like, well, what could I do on screen for 35 seconds? Yeah. And, and add to the, you know, enhance the zombie scene of this movie. So uh, Edgar Wright and Sean Penn, or uh, Simon Pegg, Sean Penn. Sean Penn. John Penn. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> Sean Penn. Dead man walking. <laughs> what the walking dead? <laughs> yeah, what yeah, the yeah, hell yeah. happened there? What was that? Um, 
they opted to just be zombies in this movie, uh, which I think is a cool thing. I think it shows that they really made this movie as a tribute to the godfather of zombie movies and the genre as a whole. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, godfather. I want De Niro, Pacino, 50 seconds in a movie as zombies acting their asses off. Grammy, Oscar, whatever you get. Cat. Yeah. Cat. Got something? No. I gotta flip my page. Jesus Christ. What have you been doing the whole time we were talking? Staring at my page. I've been freestyling all of this. Oh, my Lord. What what else happened? I really liked uh, one of my favorite parts was when Sean rips his name tag off. That to me symbolized. Sean was no longer going to be a passive uh, passive observer in his own life. He wasn't going to be a zombie anymore. He was going to actually try to do something. You have to fight the zombies. You have to rip the name tag off and like shake yourself out of this, you know, this day-to-day walking sleep and actually try to do something. Because why else is life worth living? Again, this goes back to Dawn of the Dead. There's surviving, there's existing, and there's living. And that's uh, one of the things that yeah, I hope we can do this podcast. Obviously misguided. Hold on, Kevin. Hold on, Kevin. Um, <laughs> but that seemed to me like, you know, sort of the one one of the big parts of the movie to me. Yeah. And well, then at the end, like, it just goes back to business as usual. Like, they get all the zombies under control. And then they're like, we found out that zombies actually make great service employees. And they're, like, pushing oh, carts. Yeah. And, like, they're on reality TV, yeah. like, fighting over meat in, like, an inflatable pool. Like, and Ed's one of, like, the only zombies that, like, went on to, like, keep doing exactly what yeah. he was doing. Ed on a chain. So the zombie on a chain. 28 <gasps> days later, zombie on, on a chain. There's a zombie Day- on a chain. <sighs> French horror. (laughs) The zombie on a chain thing is in three of the uh, two, three of these movies. Two of the ones we talked about, but Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead is the original. So all of these, all of these pay homage to the. And I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call it ripping off, Kevin. I would call it like paying homage to what came before you. So I really liked that. These included the original zombie on a chain, Bub from Day of the Dead, which we obviously haven't had even time to get into and, and we won't. Um, but I did think there was also like sort of an abrupt tone shift at the end of Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. where it goes from the parody, every male, like, I feel seen. And it, it when his mom dies or when she turns, mm-hmm. um, like all of a sudden it's a real zombie movie. Like it's been this sort of like, Hey, this is me at the pub. And then you get to the end and it's a very serious zombie movie where he has to execute his own mother. And I, I mean, it's, it was great because they, they have to sort of do that. And you have the, um, the survivor scene where Ed, there's always somebody that stays behind Ed in this version we didn't, we didn't get to that in, in some of the other ones, but one of the things in zombie movies, there's always somebody that decides to sacrifice themselves and, yes. and stay behind, and Ed does that. So at the end, I thought it got very traditional, and it, it left the satire a little mm. bit. Yeah. No, I mean, no, because when Ed, when Ed is, is deciding to leave himself up, he farts, <laughs> and he says, I'm sorry, Sean. Yeah. And Sean thinks he's being like, no, it's fine. Like, you're giving yourself up. Mm-hmm. And it harkens back to an earlier scene where Ed right. tries to apologize for Sean for the fact that he doesn't work and leaves the apartment the crap. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry, Sean. And Sean has to wait for it. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, my God. And he says, I'll stop doing it when you stop laughing. But also, earlier in the movie, I noticed that Peter, their roommate, the dickhead roommate they have, he says to Ed... Why don't you just go live in the shed? Mm. Yeah, he does. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the very end of the movie is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I mean, honestly, it's like super heartwarming. Sean goes out and he's got Ed chained up in the shed well, we all with his video like game Ed. system. There's a lot more to this movie. I, th- I, I think you're right. It does try to flip itself into like a, a typical zombie movie, but there, I think what Edgar Wright did here is brilliant and so much deeper and like you could watch this movie once a day every day and find some little nuance that he did it's kind of a fun little satire on like being complacent in life um i don't really think it's anything (laughs) 
Earth-shattering. It's not Scorsese. Um, I hate you. It's closer to like a Scorsese's Marvel. Never a Marvel? Made I'm just kidding. I'm oh. just bang. Kevin, Kevin's like trying to do sports with me or something. I watched that. Oh! One of the many homages that Sean uh, pays to its predecessors is the abdomen entrail scene. Ooh, yeah. Very important. Mm-hmm. It's in Dawn of the Dead. It's in most zombie movies at some point. Toward the end, toward like the, the back half of the movie, somebody is on the ground laying prone and they get ripped open from the stomach and mm-hmm. everybody eats their entrails. Very important. And Sean does that. Yo, I bro, really appreciate it. Yo, did you like print out your notes? I typed them, yeah. I wrote yeah, them, they I wrote them by hand. Out, you had a staple in there and shit. I, I wrote them by hand and my handwriting is very bad. What and I'm, try, the... I'm trying to watch the movie. So I oh, did yeah. type. I've yeah, been freestyling yeah, this whole I time, dude. No, I, I typed them. Oh, wow. That's think, right, Kevin. You hear that? One of the things that I think is relatable about Shaun of the Dead is, you know, Sean is in this three-year relationship, and his girlfriend is, you know, constantly asking him to not even, like, go out of his way to do things, but just to, like, do things for the relationship to kind of mix things up. She doesn't want to go to the Winchester every night. She wants to go out to a fancy, you know place with the fish you know stuff like that and he's just constantly dropping that ball around every corner not just with her you know he never gets his mom flowers and his stepdad gets mad um so i think it's a very relatable aspect of you know expecting the bare minimum from someone and them just not delivering at all but then you know the apocalypse happens and so he takes it upon himself to then just try to make up for everything. And he, even when he goes to, you know, rescue her from her apartment, he's like, this isn't about us. This is about survival. And then she's like, is it though? That was sort of the apocalypse was him getting that message from his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. You are an apathetic loser. You don't care about anything. You don't care about me. You're not putting any effort into this relationship at all. You Mm -hmm. just think that we're going to zombify out and go to the Winchester every night. Uh, and the apocalypse in, in, to me, and I thought it was a little, I, I liked it and I related to it. I thought it was a little bit condescending, like, oh, oh, the, the man realized he's a fucking asshole. And now <laughs> since, it's, since there's an apocalypse, now all of a sudden he's going to put in all this effort because mm-hmm. he has to save his mom when his girlfriend didn't inspire this effort before now, but now that his mom is under threat and there's a zombie apocalypse, all of a sudden he's going to be Mr. Straight Guy and, mm-hmm. and he's going to try to do the right things. Yeah. Well, I'm curious too about what you guys think about the end of the movie. Everything both of you just talked about, Kat and Trent, is at the end of the movie, he ends up with the girl and with his best buddy that caused all of this pro- all of these problems throughout the entire film and their relationship mm-hmm. in the shit. Yeah. So, so Sean, we think he's kind of a dick. I think he's well intended. I, I think, love Sean. I think you guys can a, say he's a dick. You guys can talk mad trash about him. I like Sean. <laughs> I am Sean. Uh, the last thing I, I personally wanted to talk about with this one was, um, I did think that the end of the movie resonated with me as someone who is looking down the road of my life and dealing with the end of my parents' lives. Things change a little bit, and I thought that happened with Sean at the end when he, for example, executes his own mother. Mm-hmm. His stepdad dies. It takes a little while to turn. That, to me, was sort of everybody faces that, and, and you don't, you go through life, and you, and you know that this is going to happen, and it happens with your grandparents, but you don't really think a lot until you get there about what it's going to look like when you have to deal with the end of your parents' lives, and I thought that it... It was all, again, I thought it was a little bit weird of a tonal shift, but I liked it where all of a sudden, here's the most serious thing. It's actually not your girlfriend. It's actually not your buddy, Ed. You know, it's the end of your parents' lives. And, and what are you going to do after that? And are you going to take some kind of control and some kind of agency, you know, over yourself and over what's going on? I, I That's kind of what I got out of that part. Good. Hot take. Hot take. Yeah. With the touch of my burning hand, I'll astro zombies to rape the land. Prime directive, exterminate the whole human race, and your face drops to a pile of flesh. Your heart beats in pumps of death. Prime directive, exterminate whatever's left. 
But the last movie we watched was Train to Busan, a Korean movie on the train. Adventure, zombies, carnage, drama. Train to Busan, a Korean adventure. One of my favorite zombie movies. And it's saying a lot because, you know, uh, we've been decades and decades and decades of zombie movies. All different types of characters, all kinds of different types of storylines. And somehow Train to Busan set itself apart from everything else. Yeah, so this is a 2016 movie director is Yeon Seng-ho. It's a at, at it's basic, it's a very simple concept, it seems like. It's a father going through a divorce who has sole custody of his daughter. It's her birthday. He's very absentee as he is a fund manager and pays no attention to his, his kid. So his mother uh, watches his daughter most of the time and it's her birthday. She wants to go see her mother, which requires them to take a train. And they get on the train and the zombie apocalypse breaks out. So the entire movie is him on a train with his kid um, fighting a zombie apocalypse while also figuring out how to be a better father. And to me, this is, is it's not just a great zombie movie. This is one of uh, the most emotional movies I've watched in, in years. It, I, I've cried almost every time I've watched it. Um, it, it kills me. I was going to, I'm sorry, you spoiled my reveal. I was going to reveal that you admitted to crying every time you watch this movie. <laughs> and now you've really stolen my thunder. I cried. It's a great movie. You cried again? I'm, I'm a crier. Um, this movie to me was like, I understood immediately. I've seen it before, obviously, but I watched it again. Um, I understood why Dave, you and, and you, Kevin, connected to it so much because I felt like, aside from being just a great zombie movie in the very traditional genre sense, I felt like it had a lot of things to say about being a parent and being a child. And you two are the only, Dave and Kevin, you are the only parents at the table. And so I, I could kind of, when I was, you know, we talk about watching these movies and we're hearing each other's voices. I could, I could sort of, while I was watching this, I was seeing and, and, and hearing and thinking about you guys and, and your experiences and, and Kat, your experience as a child. As a child. Currently. Yeah. yeah right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst birthday ever yeah yeah she got two wees gross i hate that (laughs) (laughs) but but there's also there's also um the dynamic between the 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 lead the the dad that we're talking about who is the terrible father um and then there he has he has this contentious relationship with a father-to-be so also on the train is the dad his daughter in, in your right train, you learn a lot about what it's like to be a kid in a situation like this. And God bless her because I can't imagine my own kid keeping her shit together like mm-hmm. his daughter did. But then he has this contentious relationship with another father-to-be whose wife is pregnant. So you're watching a dad who sucks, who knows he sucks, mm-hmm. and is fully realizing it, his daughter, and then this other dad-to-be, and then a seven, seven, eight, nine-month pregnant woman in the zombie apocalypse on a train. It sounds insane when you really say it out loud like that, but this movie is so brilliantly done and has so much heart. Out of all the movies we watched, I think Shaun of the Dead has a lot of heart, Mm -hmm. but Train to Busan is, we've talked about the fact that horror movies are sometimes family studies and dramas that just have some gore in them. Train to Busan nails that for me. It is full of heart first and foremost it is a heartfelt movie from start to finish it does have tons of societal tropes um with the classism and you know the the different classes on on car to car but i just i i know i'm i'm usually going down a a nerdy rabbit hole but i can't with this movie because it just it guts me every time i watch it korean movies have soul Mm-hmm. They really do. That's funny because it reminded me. This reminded me of the recent uh, Oscar-sweeping South Korean film *Parasite*, and also *Snowpiercer*. I love that. 
both of those movies, both South Korean, very similar. To this was almost like a mashup. Yeah. Of, it was criticized for being too similar to Snowpiercer. It, it was Snowpiercer <laughs> meets Parasite meets the zombies. But it, it was better than Snowpiercer. I like Snowpiercer. Definitely. A lot. I did too, but, but I like this better. The, the disheveled guy that was like the doomsday, like uh, the end, end is dead. near guy. They're all dead. They're he all was dead. like the same dude as in Snowpiercer. There was like the same character. Yeah, I thought that it, it took a lot of Snowpiercer and it took a little bit of Parasite. There, There is um, some some class commentary. One of the most important things, I think, again, it's, it's really about the, the parent-child relationship, but one of the other most important things about the movie is the idea of, and this is runs through all these movies, so I'm glad that we can talk about it on this one for a minute, is whether you watch out for yourself, which is what I believe the father says, mm-hmm. only watch out for yourself, um, or whether you have any sort of not only obligation, you know, you can think about it in terms of an, of an obligation to other people around you, but whether you have a benefit from the collective and from the group and from helping each other. And one of the, one of the more powerful things I thought about this He's he's the main character is very selfish and he's a watch out for yourself guy. But one of the people that he tries to that he would throw overboard in, in a minute ends up helping him through the rest of the movie. And he's of a lower class, a lower caste, however you want to sort of define it. But he ends up helping him, even though he's already essentially been thrown overboard by the guy doesn't care about him at all. He would leave him. He does try to leave him. Tries mm-hmm. to leave everyone to get away on his own. Yeah. But in the end, the only way that he survived was because this person who was of a lower class than him and he had already abandoned decided to still, despite that, help him and, and help him survive this ordeal. I joked about liking that businessman. The businessman that mm. just threw all the millennials as a human <laughs> shield <laughs> in his way whenever yeah. a zombie came. Um, and everyone hated him, but... I was like, the main character did the same thing when he didn't tell the people where the safe zone was and, you know, to go the other way. Yeah, I don't think I've ever cheered for zombies to eat a person more (laughs) than that one shitty guy on that train. Oh, my God. Well, I thought about it, too, at, um, you know, during uh, 28 Days Later all the zombies like break into the compound and i was like yeah get them get those army guys Mm -hmm. because you know there has to be like a villainous human but yeah that guy on train to busan sucked well the main the main character in train to busan when he got the phone call in the bathroom that his corporation that he worked for was actually responsible Mm -hmm. for the outbreak you know he's trying to be a good dad he's trying to make up for lost time with his kid but it's not really working and he, so, not to mention he loses his kid a bunch of times. Yeah, he's like, like I'm pregnant not going to lose my kid you. at yeah. all if we're in a zombie apocalypse. But I would like to like point out the businessman that we're talking about who is horrible, mm-hmm. who is, like you said, I can't wait for this guy to get eaten. And he's he gotta. still totally fucks up the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, I love the fact that Train to Busan showed the father that we're talking about, the main character, he progresses. He realizes these things. And I also think we can't lose the fact that the the businessman, it's a great portrayal of somebody going through the same thing that does not learn anything, Mm -hmm. does not change themselves, remains completely selfish the entire time while you watch this dad, which is is heartbreaking. Um, and, And the movie ends, spoiler alert, pause now if you haven't seen Train to Busan, because Fuck you if you haven't. You should have. <laughs> well, it's kind of new. I would say I was 2018, 2016, kind of new. 16, 16. I wouldn't give away the spoiler if, but that's, that's just me. I mean, okay. I think 16 maybe like okay. at the that's film fine. festival, but I don't think it was in wide release until 18. Yeah, that's kind of new. Train to Busan is a great fucking movie. You should see it, and we won't spoil the ending, so you can go watch it. Agreed. <laughs> All right, so speak all evil horror in the news. Uh, we got a couple things related to the movies that we've talked about in this episode. Uh, America feels the need to remake Train to Busan. What? Yes. So James Wan, Gary Doberman, who are responsible for Saw, The Conjuring Universe, well, like The Insidious Universe, Aquaman. 
Oh. Uh, they are currently uh, already in, in development of an American remake of Train to Busan. However, in better news, there is oh. also a sequel to Train to Busan coming out. I know that. Yes. Um, where the original director is developing something. I'm curious as to what I already know what you guys think about the American remake. You made that very clear. But I'm curious I'll about. Hopefully, look at the coronavirus before it comes out. <laughs> what you guys think. Um, so, this uh, sequel to Train to Busan is going to be called Peninsula. It happens four years after the original movie. Okay. Um, and the peninsula, the Korean peninsula is devastated. And uh, it, it talks about a former soldier who escaped and it's given a mission to go back and he unexpectedly meets survivors. Based on Train to Busan, I believe in this director. Uh, I will say personally, I don't believe in, in James Wan doing any justice to an American remake, mm. but I am curious about Peninsula. Yeah. So the other 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 topic to do with the movie that we watched is the uh, cable channel Sci-Fi has recently announced that they've ordered a ten episode series for a remake of George Romero's Day of the Dead. So I know we just talked oh. about Dawn of the Dead. We obviously have referenced Night of the Living Dead. Uh, there have been two horrible remakes so. of Day of the Dead. Um, mm. Barely passable. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Sci-Fi. Um, Terrible. The channel? Done, yes. yes. Sharknado's it. Uh, but the synopsis of this is interesting as it claims to be about what a group of survivors do during the first 24 hours of the zombie outbreak, which to me sounds a lot like Night of the Living Dead. Mm. We're coming Boring. to get you, Barbara. And not Day of the Dead. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. So, yeah. We'll see. 